We're recording this on March 23rd, 2016. I am your host of the show, William. Shadows over Innistrad. Spoilers are almost finished. You'll be getting that preview show next week. But for now, it is me and two co-hosts, neither of which is Calvin. Calvin and Clay are both in the middle of uh, current life situations. But they'll be back. No worries. They're okay. So, first off, joining me today, we have Aaron, a.k.a. Uncle Landrops. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic. And it looks to me like like you're actually on an episode of our show, almost. I mean, don't get... Actually, as an aside here, I did have an idea for a gag where it's you and Eric actually introducing the show. And then we act like I'm walking in and being like, what the hell? But that was a little too convoluted. And the, the whole Skype recorder thing was just... Stressed me out just enough where I wasn't in the mood to do it. But hey, it's whatever. It's all good. We're going. We're going. We're great. Aaron, who else do we have here with us? Uh, we have we have my boy down in the SoFlow, Eric, a.k.a. Grandpa Growth. How you doing, Gramps? Did you get my playmat yet? I did. I, I want to let everybody know I'm now fully <laughs> inked playmat. You know, we have, I think, three different ones now. But now I've got uh, the best Space one. Jam. The best yeah, one. the Wait, the I'm crown sorry, jewel jam? of the collection. <laughs> also, uh, I think Calvin is locked up in my basement. Like, <laughs> I, we've killed the Cookie Monster, and we are the new Cookie Monster now. Yeah, we're just taking well, over the Commander Cast. Nom 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 nom. Wait, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Space Jam playmat. Yeah. So here's the story. So as you know, we've been talking a lot about Space Jam on the stack, and. I decided the other day, I was like, well, I want to make a playmat. You know, I, I want a, I want a new one. It's time. I'm up here in Seattle. I need a new one. The one I was trying to make was going to be a cool, um, uh, commander cast one, but my brother's had a new job and I haven't been able to talk to him about getting some kind of design ideas. And so I was scrolling through stuff and, um, I decided on this picture, this picture I found on the internet of Space Jam. It's a scene with Bill Murray and Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan where they're like calling up the, the last play of the game. Oh my god. And, um, you know, it's the scene where Bill Murray says, I want to go out undefeated and untied. And he's like, I'm going to leave. I'll see you later. But he's like, here, he, he draws up the play and he walks away. And so I feel like this really embodies, like, not only the stack, not only me and Eric, but like just the way that I want to play Magic in general. And so for all those reasons, you know, I, I have this play mat now. And Eric loved it so much, I decided to send it to him because he sends me all kinds of cool shit and I don't get to send him anything. So it was a good opportunity for me to. To send him something awesome. <laughs> okay then. <laughs> Moving just, right along. <laughs> I mean, I I mean, I hear Space Jam, and I I just keep thinking of that that uh, college humor sketch where Jordan leaves for the other team, and no, no, it wasn't Jordan. It was with LeBron. It was like a re, it was like a sequel <laughs> parody type thing. Only they had only they had LeBron, and LeBron's like, "Yeah, you guys suck. I'm going to go join the other alien team." Perfect. Like, he would. He would. But, he would do that. But, but LeBron, they're going to enslave us. 
Yeah, but have you seen those guys? I'm outing. Four years later, he would join your team again. <laughs> no, it was awesome because they had Kyrie Irvin drop in and be like, don't worry, guys, I'm here. <laughs> I live in Ohio, so it's relevant. Yeah, no, I know. I And I, I really do feel for you, I have to say. The Cavaliers need better general management. That's the bottom line. The only team that did anything in Ohio that's not a college team was our soccer team. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you yeah, guys made it to and, the finals, right? Did you win? But it was soccer. Yeah. Actually, I think they did. Dude, yeah, soccer yeah. is good. Soccer's good, man. But England is better soccer. England is better soccer. But there's only one football. And now that we're kicking this topic way off course, it's time for favorite commanders of the week. So, Aaron, who's your favorite commander this week? Uh, I'm going to go with a, a good old Dragons of Tarkir favorite of mine. I was playing in 2DH. I was playing Serac the Hunt Collar. Uh, this is a really pretty strong commander in 1v1. And, you know, just having a haste outlet with very little removal and, you know, just kind of being aggro. It's actually a really good deck. You get to play a lot of fun, um, two for, or three threes for two. Um, all the Colonian Tusker you can, you can get, um, and some other cards too that we're going to talk about today as well. All right. So Eric, second verse, same as the first. Uh, I'm currently playing Horde of Notions five color stipulation deck where, uh, it can only contain multicolored cards and it can only contain lands that tap for more than one color of mana. So there's no artifacts, no fetch lands, and no, no colorless land. No command tower. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> there is a command tower. It's just my command tower fails to work. It, it's not effective. What? what? I, I don't understand what's going on. Command there's, tower. There's a current bug on MTGO where uh, commander-specific lands, I think it's just those two lands because they're released in the you know commander sets, uh, command tower and opal palace. But these... These lands just don't tap for mana. You can tap them, but they never produce any mana. <laughs> so nowadays, whenever I draw the command tower in my decks, I'm just like, ugh, I have to mulligan, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, makes me glad I'm not actually to that point in the alpha build. Yeah, exactly. Actually, um, exactly. Instead of being the like unabashed, broken, you know, most played, most overplayed card and commander, it just does nothing. It's fantastic, actually. So, Will, who is your commander for this week? My command of the week is going to be Marath, Will of the Wild. Because last week, I got the chance to, you know, sit down, play with the guys again, which I've been doing on and off since I started actually working at the card shop. And I, you know, just trying out an Eily build for the, for the first time. That build was, it wasn't quite as efficient and explosive as I wanted it to be. But unfortunately, I had the misfortune of playing against someone who's playing their Esper Super Friends deck. And he knows that I hate that deck. It's a fair assumption. He agrees that the deck is just slow and grindy, but that's why I've got my buddy Marath here. Because Marath not only shoots Planeswalkers, but the deck itself can actually keep up tempo-wise with the rebuilding of the Force after all those board wipes. Because why? I don't remember this many board wipes in Commander. Maybe it's just from a ye olden days of before Cyclonic Rift, but I don't remember having to rebuild my board every t- this often. And it gets frustrating sometimes. Well, you should play against Gramps sometime. That's basically, like, his deck. <laughs> yeah, 30 lands, 30 Wrath of God, 30 well, counter spells, 10 ways to win. There you go, that's a deck. Marath, Marath, though, is actually, both Ailey and Marath are sweet decks in, in 2DH. I, I played against them both recently. The Marath deck steamrolls everybody, and then the, the Ailey deck is a really hilarious combo deck where you get to you get to play, like, Ashnod's Altar and Enduring Renewal, and there's a zero-cost little, like, zero-three wall 
that you can play and you sacrifice infinitely to Ashnod's altar with Enduring Renewal out so you get it back to your hand and continue to play it to generate infinite mana, which then generates infinite life off of Ailey, and then you can create start to just eliminate everybody's permanence. That's nope, the game. That, that is just, one strategy. <laughs> no, I'm just going to keep dirling on with my aura mutation. It's okay. All right, so folks at home, you know us, you love us, and hopefully you are actually hearing this episode instead of, you know, uh, the recorder computer machine just deciding to not do anything for the past two weeks. Was, were recorders on strike? Is that what's going on? Did Skynet finally take over and go, no, we're not having this anymore? I need answers. But you know what? Maybe if, I don't know, you actually hear some of the things we talk about and you have opinions on what we say, then maybe you want to go ahead and leave us a comment. Leave us on the Twitter, the Facebooks, on the, on the YouTubes. I am doing my best to make sure that the videos get uploaded to the YouTubes, although I've been having trouble uploading them for some reason. But there's always the show notes under the show in the website thing. Yeah. Can you just tell that the Skype recording thing has got me just a little bit tilted right now? It, it really has, I can tell. But it's okay, though, because the videos are worth it. Guys, go see those yeah. videos. Hey, you know what? It absolutely is. And if you think that we're worth just a little bit more, we're worthy of just maybe just a tip, go ahead, head over to our Patreon. You can go ahead and sign up to donate a dollar monthly. You know, just to show that, hey, you do care about the show. You know, I've been paying the hosting fees for a couple of years. The financial situation is a lot better where it is, but it still ain't cheap. It's not expensive, but it ain't cheap either. It's to the point now where Commandcast should be fully functional on its own. But I'm still going to put out the content out there. Once I've gotten a handle on everything, I am going to start, try and put a little more effort into the videos, especially those $10 exclusive Patreon videos, the reviews I'm going to put in. Uh, maybe mess around with the editing software. Maybe if with enough practice, I can get to Chewy levels of decent editing, but we'll see. But hey, you don't have to donate 10 or even 5 You can actually just donate $1, because that is the tip, and just the tip. But if a little more slips in, we're not going to complain. So, today on Commander Cats, you know, you know it, some of you love it, some of you hate it, but I think it's always worth having this conversation. Oh dear lord, that Skype recorder has me so tilted right now. Just take a breather. Dragon. Just take a breather, Will. Use your, <laughs> goose Fraba. Look, dude. Goose Fraba. <laughs> my Skype recorder works, but your command tower works. That's, you know, life <laughs> is never going to be fair. <laughs> yeah. We're doing our look back at Dragons of Tark here. It's been a year since that set came out, and there have been some complaints about it initially. We're going to go ahead and take a look back on it, see if some of those complaints, you know, panned out, see if anything came up, you know, something that we kind of panned over in the meantime. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. Whew. Good intro. Where's, Good where's intro. Calvin? I need, I need my wee man. It was a good intro. Uh, uh, I think, honestly, I think the worst part of it is I must have slipped on something funny. I just got, got the weirdest thing in my collar. Ow. All right. You guys ready to go in this? Absolutely. So, for today's Look Back review, we're going to go ahead and start with the commanders. We have nine commanders to get through here. So, first one going, Dragon Lord Dromoka. This is a dragon I actually haven't seen a lot of, but I have seen her just by virtue of this one guy who actually made a deck for all five dragons and altered them to be characters from Full Metal Alchemist. So Perfect. good on him for getting that. I think Dragon Lord Jamoka was, I want to say, Gluttony. No, no, not, not Gluttony. Sloth, maybe? 
some yeah sloth. Interesting. I would have expected him to make actual alchemists instead of the uh, the sins. But that yeah I no think, he yeah yeah he went with the sins because I remember because Atarka was gluttony for sure. Yeah. Okay. So with Dragon Lord Jamoka, Dragon Lord Jamoka, I really only saw it at the helm of kind of a hate bear side deck, which she's actually pretty decent at. She can't be countered. You know, she, uh, she has that Grand Arbiter effect where, you know, once she's down, no one can cast anything. So while she's on the stack, you've got to get your responses in or anything else like that while you can. She's flying. She's lifelink. She's got a 5-7. She's got a big ass. But that's actually kind of what I wanted to see from the Jamoka Dragons was that really hard toughness. It's really hard to get through. And she's got a massive, massive chin. I actually really like that chin. Yeah, this this is one of the better dragons, in my opinion, actually. I, I really like this card a lot. I'm surprised nobody plays more of the uh, this card. I would really love for it to be in, in $2, under $2, because I feel like it should. But I understand the power level of it's different. Um, it, it's something that I think... I, I've wanted to pl- build this deck. I think it's it's a very good deck. It it hates a lot of the things that Eric likes to do, so I feel like that's like a good you know that's a good <laughs> recipe for a good deck. Yeah, I don't know if that's a good starting point for all all decks in the future. No, just no, because no. I don't like it. That's that's a pretty large category of cards. Well, no, 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 not not like you don't like it. Just like you know, it's very diff. It's it's more difficult to deal with than the regular thing. You know, it's hard to interact with once it gets out on the field, you know, on your turn. So if you have something to do on your turn, like you're going to be able to get a combo off. You're going to be able to get some kind of thing like that. Um, one of the other interesting comparisons too, is like the idea of this hate bear deck. Um, I think to me, you know, that's probably a really good comparison, right? Like it's kind of like, it's kind of like having Arbiter or Teferi, but you know, not having blue. It's like non-blue Teferi. <laughs> I mean, yeah, non- it's kind of the big flying dragon of the of the hate bear crowd. Although it's you know its stats got bigger and its list of abilities got bigger, but hate bears historically, you know, you get a lot of value for a very low cost. I don't know if you really get a commensurate amount of value in Dragon Lord Jamoka. Value, no, but I feel like she's the really big finisher that a deck like Green White Hate Bears would want. Because a lot of those guys are really small and they're value-based, but there's nothing that really goes, okay, this thing's going to end the game in a few turns. Is that something Dragon Lord Tremoka does? I think so. At least one person's going to die from that. I think, I think, well, I think you're going to have a really interesting situation, right, where you have, like, you know, just a bunch of, like, Gaddict, all these different things out, and then you can attack with Dramoka in the air, and then you can, you know, plus, you know, give it a trick for each creature you control, and you kind of win. Like, that's pretty dumb. Okay. I mean, okay, maybe she doesn't end the game fast, but she's still, like, this really big, powerful fort presence, you know? Like, if nothing else, she's a big stabilizer. Lifelink yeah, can't the, the be card's fine. And, yeah, Lifelink is, like, it's a very powerful ability, but, uh, you know, Aaron's a big fan of the Titan Test for cards that cost six mana or more. You know, I feel like this card does not pass the Titan Test. Hmm. I do. I feel like it does. I, I think that it eats Titans. Like it can, you know, you can do the things that you need to do. You can stop the Titans, and then you can pump it up and do your own thing. Mm, she. It's definitely a great body to augment, though, which is part of why I use Jamoka as a uh, a backup commander in Sigarda. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's definitely got a better supporter role probably in deck at this point, just because we haven't seen the cards that are going to make it the bomb.com. No, just a very solid kind of French vanilla creature. Fair okay, enough. so Jamoka, still a very good card, though. Going on to Dragonlord Ojutai, this guy. You can do some shenanigans with this guy. You know, a lot of... I 
again, I mentioned my friend who built all five decks. You know, he had the Ojutai deck, and as a he didn't want it to be a hard control deck with Ojutai as like the only win con drawing cards, which you could do with an Ojutai deck. But he had it as more of a tempo based deck, and I actually liked that quite a bit. You know, using small things like uh, a cloud shift, refocus, you know, ways to just kind of untap him or blink him out so that he can avoid the uh, the removal when he was tapped, get his hexproof back on, all that fun stuff. And that's still a 5-4 dragon that's going to hit people, draw cards. And he's coming down on turn 5. Yeah, the card is definitely, it's it's priced well for what you get. It, it does give you card advantage, but it's not immediate card advantage. Uh, you know, it's definitely tough to interact with hexproof as we've seen over the last several years. It's just proven to be a very problematic ability. They're just not designing great answers for hexproof cards. And a 5-5 five, five flyer for 5, you know, or I guess 5-4, but still. 5-power flyer for 5 is a price that I'm willing to pay for, you know, a late-game threat. Yeah, but it has hexproof when it counts, right? It has hexproof when it comes down. And that's actually just enough to get, like, some boots on it, any f- form of you know, equipment, swords, because a lot of what he was doing, too, was getting the swords on, but because it has hexproof, we can't stop him from equipping it. By the time it is equipped, now it's got protection from anything we would actually want to throw at it. Oh, it just basically has hexproof, in my opinion, for all intents and purposes. You're you're not going to be tapping it and actually exposing it to removal unless you have either a workaround, like you said, a way to untap it, or a counterspell to, you know, deal with a potential answer. By the time they're actually in position and attacking with the Dragonlord Orgitai, it feels like you've already lost that game. It may take several hits to actually kill you under, you know, natural conclusion through the rules, but you're very far behind. And the card selection and the card advantage, it's going to keep you from getting back into that game. I'm very surprised because of that, that this deck wasn't more of a, the Esper Dragons deck wasn't more of a thing in the other formats. Um, I, I just thought that that, that plus, you know, the, the DL Selim guard that we're about to talk about, I thought the combination of those two cards against, you know, these Abzan decks with Elspeth and, um, you know, before that at, at the time. And then, you know, as it evolved, I, I just really thought that it was going to be a thing. Um, and I'm very, I'm very, very surprised that, uh, Ojutai hasn't kind of become more of a, a dominant force in commander just because it's, it's got a narrow color set. It basically does have hexproof, like you said. Um, you don't necessarily have to play the tempo things as long as you have vigilance, and uh, vigilance is very easy to come by in those colors. So I, I, I'm very, I'm just shocked, honestly, that this isn't more of a card. Like you said, I've lost to it. Like the minute that our opponent, your opponent casts it, you kind of lose. And it's great in Derevi when he cannot just untap himself. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Bandrag- Ban- Go ahead. I was just gonna say, ban dragons. I love that thing. Various, there are various methods to untap it in Commander that aren't available in Standard, but, you know, although the Esper Dragons deck didn't necessarily take over as the most dominant deck, because Abzan, like, Siege Rhino is probably more value, but, like, still cheaper. If I play my Siege Rhino, then you play your Dragonlord, and then I attack, like, don't you just kind of have to block at that point? Like, you're probably losing the race, especially in light of the possibility of future Siege Rhinos. I think that's really what kept Esper Dragons down. It's just Abzan had Siege Rhino. <laughs> you have Counterspell and you have Dragonlord Selimgar, though. Like, this is the weird part to me, that, like, this deck couldn't beat it with those two cards because it has them on, like, different curves, I guess. And, like, Ojutai is the only one that matches up with that curve. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I, I agree with you. It is a little strange. And if, if I played more standard, I would be 
playing the deck that gave me access to Sealing Our Scorn, basically the truest counterspell that we have, uh, you know, in the previous standard format. Uh, but like I said, I don't, I don't play any standard. <laughs> right. All right. So overall, we like Doja Chai, right? Oh yeah. 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 This is a, this is an unmitigated win for dragons everywhere. For sure. All right. So the next one we had was Lazy Boy himself, Slumgar Millionaire, Dragonlord Slumgar, which was, of course, the flying death touch. I've got the blinged out Tasker necklace. Hey, comes into play, steals a creature or a planeswalker. This guy, I've been less than impressed with as a commander. I tried him out for a little bit, but just there, one, when people see him coming, they can prepare like the answers. Like even against the Super Friends deck, you know, he's going to hold up the removal to get rid of Slumgar. So you don't keep his planeswalker. If he dies or gets, he's just gone. We actually had one game where someone got his Tamiya emblem off because the Silmgar had died and the Tamiya just went right back where we thought, okay, we still have a turn to deal with Tamiya. Oh, it's whoops. He actually just got a gift-wrapped Tamiya emblem. Well, this card, it, it's text box reads very favorably. You know, if you just didn't have to pay so much for it, because you see, other types of control effects are very powerful, and they get played in basically every format. You know, and you see a lot of threads of disloyalty in modern, for example, and that's a very restricted version. You know, look at the text box on threads of disloyalty, and then look at the text box on Dragonlord Silmagar. It's just so much better. But six is a pretty big price to pay for something that basically has no protection. You know, if they have removal, they just get their thing back and use spend a lot of your time not accomplishing a whole lot. And as it turns out, at least as from what I've seen in games, more often you want to take the creature and be able to kill their Planeswalker. Because if you take the Planeswalker, then they just have an opportunity to, you know, like I said, take it back. And then you might have ticked it up on your turn as well. And you've sort of just advanced their clock towards that ultimate. That can backfire very easily. And that'd be that's kind of an embarrassing way to lose. <laughs> I like the idea yeah. that it, it gets to play, you get to play it from your hand versus playing it from the command zone. I think that that uh, gives you the added flexibility of being able to do it when you need. Um, it also gives you the actual acidic slime sort of concept that it has of, of the death touch in, in addition to it. Um, it also makes it less important. You know, like there's a, there's always a commander stigma, right? If somebody sees you casting your commander, they're like, oh, well, obviously this is your game plan. So I just need to stop you from playing your commander. Um, this is this is definitely one of those kinds of commanders. So you have to be ready for a counterspell fight. I don't see this card probably coming down until turn eight or nine anyway. And so you know that's pretty ripe for uh, planeswalker ultimates. And I think that that's where it really needs to be, where it needs to sit. Uh, you know, at all, it needs to be at the nine cost curve. And the same thing with other Selimgar. Um, even though I like that the other one more, like you know, I, I think that this one is just fine. Um, you can play it wherever you want. So, although I was Silmgar, I we just weren't feeling it, right? Like, it was almost there, but it, it felt like it was missing a couple of weeks. Well, my initial impressions when I first saw the card were very favorable, but it just hasn't really panned out very well. It, it does things that you want to do, but it, it doesn't give them to you packaged the way that you actually want them. Yeah. yeah. It's like getting your hot dog on bread. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically. Basically, yeah. Okay. Yep. So... And then we get to Dragonlord Colgan, which for all intents and purposes will read 6 mana, 6 5, flying, basically has fervor written on it. With just that part in mind, you know, that's the only really relevant commander portion of it. Is that good enough for you? Because for me, 
I actually think it is. Like, I enjoy having the ability to just get, oh, okay, here's a big dragon. It has haste. Now all of my other things have haste. If you don't deal with this dragon, I can just keep dropping dragons that can start swinging right away. I would prefer other haste outlets. I would prefer fervor to this. Um, I I like Dragonlord Colagon because I like the uh like the sort of Tom MTG Radio like Amar Tandris thing. You know, like nobody really ex- respects this card, so I'm gonna play it and then I'm gonna beat your butt with it. Uh, but I don't like it for anything else other than that. <laughs> I have severe misgivings about this card. If if what you wanted was a hasty commander that allows you to deal big chunks of damage and also give your other guys haste, this is not the card you want. What you're actually looking for is Maelstrom Wanderer, which, although is more expensive, it does more damage, so it cuts you know a full turn off the clock for commander damage, but then you also get to Cascade twice, and I think paying two mana for the privilege of Cascading twice is a whole heck of a lot better than flying. Oh, that absolutely is, but here's the thing. Dragonlord Kogan is red-black. A net negative. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for some for some people, that really matters. Yeah. I, I, it, think if I mean, it matters to me, too. It just matters in all the wrong ways. Like, <laughs> red-black has serious problems with dealing with specific types of permanence. It has no on-the-stack answers. You know, it, it has poor mana acceleration. The, it's not an attractive color combination. It's This is not the house I want, and it's also built in the, the part of town I don't want to live in. <laughs> I, uh, but it's all about my, the beating my face. My analogies rolling on the whole night, guys. <laughs> yeah. If you like analogies, I mean, you should donate to our Patreons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually really like the Dragon Lord Colgan. I wish that she had more commander relevant text. Like the whole they lose their they lose ten life when they cast creatures and plants with the same name as the card in the graveyard thing. That except for the corner case scenarios where they're playing like Shadowborn Apostle or Relentless Rats, that doesn't matter. But making do with just a 6-5 fervor that can really get in there and start beating face, I actually really like that. If this cost <laughs> one red black, I would play it if it had some kind of extra drawback. You know, like, you had to sacrifice it, you know, vanishing three. Um, I, I would not play this as is. I, I think, even though I have said I would play it, you know, if only for the, you know, underratedness of this card, that's pretty much the I still prefer the Storm's Fury to this card. I still like her because, well, it's not, I'm essentially using her as uh, Karthus number two in the Karthus deck, and I think right. she's perfectly fine there. Yeah. All right. So last for the Dragon Lords, we've got Big Mama Atarka herself, Dragon Lord Atarka, coming in at seven mana, eight eight, flying trample. But when she hits the field, five damage divides you choose among creatures and our planeswalkers your opponents control. When I think dragons, this is what I want to see. I want to see something that's bigger than life, really huge, and something you don't want to look at, Kagai. Just, I love Dragonlord Tarkas so much. It's, I love this card enough that I still flip-flop back and forth whether I want to go with Dragonlord Tarka or Atarka Worldrender. Worldrender has the upside of being a kind of combo one-hit cl- clock where she can just fly out of nowhere and just eat someone. Atarka, though, with her Dragonlord form, you know, she's got a little bit of that catch-up sniping power where, okay, there's a problematic Planeswalker on the field. We can drop a Tarka, get rid of that Planeswalker. We don't have to worry about that, and now we have an 8-8 Guardians. Or we can go ahead and just take out one or two problematic creatures. Not a fan of this card. Uh, I like World really? Render. World Render way better. It's it's good. It was good in, uh, it was good in you know, competitive formats. 
um, because you got you could get big mana. I like this a lot less than I like World Render. I think World Render has the tempo. It has all the kinds of combo red green things that I want to do, and I just think World Render is just easily a better card. Easily. I I actually kind of like both of them. I would not want Dragon Lord Atarka as my commander. I would rather have Atarka World Render as my commander. But as a card that I can just throw into the 99, I would take Dragon Lord version because it gives you very solid removal and a lot of value in a color combination where you're kind of struggling to generate card advantage. And this, this can let you get some. If you, you know, you just play it, you can mop up a couple of their creatures and suddenly you have the largest threat on the field. That is one way to create an advantageous situation for yourself. The the re- main appeal for World Render, though, is you just get to clock somebody. You know, if you can give it haste or grow its power substantially, you know, you just kill them. <laughs> yeah, but you could just have a bigger-than-life dragon. I mean, killing people's good and all, but <laughs> big dragon. <laughs> the, t- the Timmy argument. But, you, but dragons? But you Ex- could have dragon, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, you could actually... The thing... That, that is a Timmy argument to say that, yeah, but... You know, Tucker World Runner kills him too fast. I want time to actually enjoy my dragons. It's a it's a thing, and I and I that's actually part of the reason why I don't play super aggro decks sometimes because I do want to have the chance to enjoy some of my really big stuff before they just get they just pulverize everyone. Is that wrong? No, I mean you've said it before on the podcast. So and and Twitter can also validate all of your claims um, because I've seen Uriah over at CMDR decks. I've seen a bunch of other people on Twitter tweet pictures of their like Atarka beatdown build. I've seen it in real life here in 2DH and all these different things. World Render is so much better than than Dragon Lord Atarka. Like just it's not even close in my opinion. Um, because you know Eric talks a lot about card advantage and wanting to have card advantage and wanting to play the game this way. Well, the best thing about World Render is that you don't need card advantage. What you need is just cards. Um, it's kind of like you know this is the way that kind of mono red decks operate and and operate more successfully in my opinion than than other decks. Um, you know, in order for a mono red deck to work, you have to find eight card or two. So you need to be able to dig. This deck wants haste. It wants a couple of um, you know pump spells and it wants Dragonlord Tark on the field. It's so easy. Um, a caveman could do it. <laughs> I mean, that was when all this was going on, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. I I want to go back to what you said, Will, and I I have a tough time thinking along the lines of I want time to enjoy my dragons. <laughs> in in the the headspace that I inhabit, like if this is sitting on the battlefield and it's not tapped, you know. You gotta feel a little uneasy because there's so many ways that can mess up your your board position. This card has no protection for itself. Uh, you know, World Render also has no protection for itself. Neither of them have haste. They're big, and big is good. But I don't really get into too many creature fights. You know, having a bigger threat than someone else is essentially irrelevant because there's only ever going to be one, and like the person who sticks their threat has won the game anyway. I I. I don't know, I just, it's hard for me to imagine, like, look, I'm attacking with my 8-8 Trampler, and your 6-6, you know, flying Trampler is now irrelevant. That's, uh, that, that is some magical Christmas land for me. I don't understand. I thought you have a Xenagos Fight Club deck. I thought this was a thing. I don't get in too many fights. That's ridiculous. You have oh, one yeah. deck well, where that, you get in all the is, fights. <laughs> that deck is a gag, you know? That's, I know, I like, know. It's like buying someone a Slinky for their birthday, you know? <laughs> No, dude, how is Slinky a gag? Like, Slinkies are awesome. Especially if you have yeah, stairs. But, 
Dude, no, you set that up on the, on the treadmill, but you set the right inclination, you get infinite slinky. Ah, uh, infinite. Like, it has, just has to be just right, but you get infinite slinky. That's what Dragon Lord of Target is for me. She's infinite slinky. <laughs> Alright, so if we were to compare the Dragon Lords to their fateful Forge Worms, it sounds like you guys would say that, you know, Jeroka, Ojitai, you know, those are the guys who came out ahead and they have better versions. Silumgar probably has a better version than his original one, but Coligan and Target are actually just regressions. Hmm. Well, Coligan, neither version appeals to me at all. I think, like I said, I, I like both versions of Atarka. You know, it just depends on whether you want to use it as a commander or not. Uh, the first version of Ojutai was kind of hot garbage. Dragonlord Ojutai is the, the real business. I don't want either version of Dromoka. And I, I would agree with you that Dragonlord Silmgar is kind of an upgrade, but the loss of Hexproof kind of makes the card almost unplayable, in my opinion, as a commander. I wouldn't say it's that bad. It's very hard to make a commander unplayable, specifically, specifically when you get to pl- build the deck around it. Silmgar's okay. definitely not that well off, but I wouldn't say he's, he's far from unplayable. Let me let me clarify. My, my definition of unplayable is if I need, let's say I have an effect that I need three copies of this in my deck, and then I'm looking at a card that's the fifth best version of that effect, that card is now unplayable because, like, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose to play the three best versions and the fourth, fifth, sixth best versions. Those cards are not, you know, they're just not legitimate anymore in my mind. That's kind of how I operate my thinking. You could certainly do that. You could be like, I'm choosing to play this deck, but you know, I, I'm always trying to hyper optimize and run games and see, you know, is this better than another option? And once I've sort of established that this isn't as good as Threads of Disloyalty or Control Magic or uh, Sword of Temptation. I, I kind of just don't want it in my deck anymore. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I feel the same. So, I think about about the cards. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm I'm very much on Team World Render. I also think that's a very cool team name. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dragon Lord Dragon Lord Kolagon is pretty much you know the HGs, the hot garbage. Um, I think that the Storm's Fury is something that would appeal to me. I would try to make that work, even though I know it wouldn't work in my heart, but I'd want it to. Um, Selimgar, uh, you know, I think that both versions are kind of equally poisonous, uh, if you will, like, you're choosing your own, like, drawbacks. Uh, Dragonlord Selimgar, you know, has, has some problems because it says point removal at me. The other Selimgar says, you can't point removal at me, but I don't really do anything. Ojutai, pretty much what Eric said, strictly better than, than, uh, just whatever the ver- other version was. I don't even remember. I just call it Sky Lapras. I don't know what it does. Um, <laughs> Soul of Winter. <laughs> Soul of Winter. It, I mean, it has maybe the best name, but uh, yeah, probably the worst probably, card. Probably. I mean, and then, you know, Jermoka the Eternal hasn't been bad. It's been, it was good in Limited. It's good in our little 2DH cube. It's good in 2DH in general. Um, but Dragon Lord Jermoka is just better. Mm-hmm. All right. So looking at, you know, the former cons of Tarkira, they've been regressed to these, for a couple of them kind of piddling monocolor creatures. The first one I want to point to is Anathensa Kentry Spirit. For two white white, we've got a spirit soldier who's a two two, so she's on curve. But whenever a non-token creature is battlefield under your control, bolster one. I don't think I've ever really seen her be played outside of tiny leaders, and I don't think anyone in our area plays tiny leaders anymore. I've seen her. I, uh, I played her for a little bit in two DH. But you know what card was actually better than her as a commander in two DH? Kongming Sleeping Dragon. Wow. So if that says anything, um, you know, obviously modern has has made her kind of playable recently with uh, with the new the murderous red cap uh, kind of birthing pod, but no birthing pod deck. So uh, yeah, that's, that's, it's nice to see her getting some getting some work 
but um, I'm happy that it's not in our format. Yeah, I look at this as like, this is pretty much strictly a modern card. I haven't really seen it pop up in Commander, and if I did, I would I would sort of have to question. The reason that combo exists in modern and is competitive in modern is because they've chosen to ban 20 other combos that are more powerful. So if you're playing this in Commander, I, I would hope you're trying to combo out with it, but then you're also playing a big janky three-card combo when you could have just been playing a two-card combo that's much leaner and much more powerful and probably cheaper to pull off. So uh, it's not... It doesn't really make it onto my radar. Yeah, no. Yeah, I always wish that... You know, I'd be willing to pay a little more if it. she said, you know, just whenever a creature enters your field under control, because then it would make the, uh, the token build a lot more viable. I think it would have been... We definitely would have seen her a lot more. Even, I would probably be willing to pay... What what would you guys be willing to pay for something like that? Three, four? Three for a three, three that does it. One white, white. I think I think people would probably... Well, first of all, that would be a good card, Aaron. Uh, I might even play that. But I think people who play token decks would probably take a two, two, or maybe like a two, two first strike or something with, with this ability, and it, it costs three total. Uh, that would be good in things like Darien, you know? It, they sort of neutered it a little bit for Commander because there's no... You know, there's not really, like, a mono-white combo deck, per se, but there are definitely mono-white token decks in Commander. She needed to be a Kathar, and she needed to be on a Crusade. I think that you're right, Will. <laughs> yeah, All right. for sure. So, so, But this next one got off a lot better in, in terms of power. Sadisi Undead Vizier, the 5-mana 4-6 zombie naga. I'm, I still can't believe it's just not snake person. Why, why couldn't we just have more snake people? Yeah. Death Touch, Exploit, and when you do Exploit, you get, which is in fact the sacrificing a creature. You can go ahead and tutor up a card. I remember an analogy that Tom had during one of the streams when this card was first previewed. He had a cup, and he had a more different cup. And he goes, "Okay, this one cup, this kind of smaller cup, that's the DC. You're going to try and put her into every black deck you have. And here's the, here, this big, more bigger cup. This is the deck that you're going to try and sh- you know just shoehorn it into it because it's a four-six death toucher with you know tutor." Let's go ahead and try and put them together, and oh, look, it's actually just stuck. It's We, we can't get them out. I don't know. It's not fitting right, but it's stuck, and you can't take them out. And I think that kind of exemplifies the idea going into it. There are definitely some decks where you wouldn't want, because it's five mana for that tutoring, even though it's recurable, but the decks that can abuse her, she actually does get out of hand with all that tutoring. Carador. <clears throat> Before she, she went on a 2DH, she was actually the top deck, or one of the top decks, next to Thraxamundar, uh, because she was just a combo deck that you couldn't beat unless you had Graveyard Hate. And it was actually ridiculous. Um, Necroticus was the, like, the primary combo with, um, Phyrexian Broodlings and Triskelion, and you could just go infinite. It was ridiculous, dude. Um, this deck won, like, three or four tournaments in a row. Sidisi <laughs> was good. He is good. I think this is just a, a lesson learned about maybe we should all play Graveyard Hate as like a standard piece of technology in our decks. I don't Ooh. think there's a good reason not to. <laughs> no, there really isn't. Tormont's Crypt literally costs nothing and does so much. Like that's worth a card slot. It made me so happy just to get Tormont's Crypt from in the from the dark version of Avison this week. And it's already done so much work. I I really don't, I mean, Tormod's Crypt is fine. I much prefer Crypt Incursion. I think Eric would completely agree with me on this one. Uh, if not... Crypt Incursion is a brutal, vicious card that... <laughs> people don't understand that, like, three times is a pretty large number, no matter how small the X, I guess, in this question is. Yeah. 
uh, Crypt Incursion I mean, is probably it, the dumbest version of, of Graveyard Hate that, that exists. Right. I think but the the record for my Popper Cube uh, life gained off Crypt Incursion is 45. And, you wow. know, when you're playing in Limited, suddenly gaining 45 life and probably countering somebody's raise dead, you are doing it. You have gotten all the way there. Duly noted from when I update Eileen, I, I, now I've got to go digging through the stuff at the store. Thanks, Eric. But Sadisi herself, very p- powerful just for that tutor ability, for that retutor ability. You know, you get any sort of token generation going, like, you get, like, a bitter blossom down. You get your, your free guy. You get, have, like, maybe a conjure closet. That's a free tutor every turn. Yep. It's it's really easy to get there with Sadisi. I mean, even even if you just go, I'm going to, um, you know, cast Sadisi, I'm going to sacrifice her to herself, put her in the graveyard, go get, you know, my reanimate spell. Then next turn, I go get another bigger tutor, and then you kind of scale your tutors and just tutor on tutor on tutor. That's what Mono Black likes to do. You could spend four turns doing that if you can take the damage and, and win. Discard her early, get it back with reanimate. That's basically a demonic tutor. Yeah. You have to spend two cards to do it, but you do it. And now you've got your four six death toucher. Yeah. That's the other part that I think is really underrated, is that she she does have the death touch, and you know, that's you know, it makes her better than some of the other creatures that you might just want to sacrifice to it. You know, especially and in, six in, in Mono Black. Yeah, and six toughness. So dumb. <sighs> Next up, we've got Zergo Bellstriker. One mana, two, two. You can't block creatures with power to a grave, but that's fine. Because you can dash him out for two mana. Which means that he'll come out, he'll have haste, he'll try and hit something, and then he'll bounce back. Again, I only ever saw him as a Titan Leader, which he was actually legit fine, fine with. You get him into kind of a, an Isimaru type build where you have a lot of free equipment, you can snap, that just sna- uh, he comes down, they snap on, he hits, he goes away. And that was actually fine. I saw that more in Tiny Leers, though. I haven't seen anyone actually try and play the 99 with them. This is definitely a deck I want to I want to see at some point. I'm hoping that you know after Standard rotates that uh, his luck will change a little bit and we'll, we'll get we'll get a, a Zergo Ball Striker in our format because I think that the deck the the format kind of needs it. One of the better decks again is this mono red aggro deck. And he'd be perfect instead of the the kind of replacement that they have to play, which is Jay Ballard for um for the control matchups. So I think that you know Zergo could actually be a, a better commander in that circumstance. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I I feel like this this could be a 2DH deck, but you know obviously I'm not super familiar with the format. But as far as regular commander at large goes, I I can't understand why people play this card. It really doesn't do anything that you want it to do. I mean, if you're playing this card, you're playing it because it's a very small, efficient body that you can just snap a lot of equipment on and just try and punch people as fast as you can. And he does that just fine, is, I think. Is it efficient? This this is my thing with, like, one-drop commanders, at least among the options that exist right now. You really aren't getting there. So, like, let's say you, you play it, you know, you attack for two next turn, then you play a sword. Or even better, let's say you play a Jeet on turn two, and then you equip the Jeet on turn three, and then you, like, you're really going off. How soon are you killing them? Like, turn six, turn seven? That's fast, fast enough that it apparently speeds up metas. Like, if you talk to Eric Bonvi, who does the Rivals Duel podcast, he'll talk about how when he started playing Isimaru, you know, none of the other decks could actually beat him because they were just too slow. And that's the whole reason why they started playing faster decks, more efficient games. And it's part of what we, it turned into from a uh, a cru- battleship cruiser type magic style to a jet fire type, where everyone is playing a much more efficient, much more hyper aggressive de- style deck. Well, yeah. Well, the the frame that I'm looking at though is is all removal. There's 
you're not going to get the gene in play because you're going to have to deal with the thoughts he's on turn one. You're not going to get the creature equipped because you're going to have to deal with removal. The, and at some point, you're going to be facing a board sweeper too. So whether you choose to diversify your threats or not, eventually you're going to you lose your board position. The this these types of decks, faster decks, can absolutely prey on the the so-called battlecruiser magic. But I think those big Timmy just play my creatures and ignore everyone else. Those are the worst decks in Commander, objectively speaking. Like they're they're not built to win games. They're built for people to have fun. What if you? Uh, I mean, what if you played this like Norin? I mean, there's a lot of similar qualities here. You could. I mean, it's obviously a good card in Perforos. There's there's several ways that I could see this being played without it being simply just the Voltron. I'm gonna snatch up all the equipment and dash. Um, I, I think it could be. I think it could be more than just that, that kind of deck. I think it's a weird kind of version of all these other decks. But it, that said, it's not streamlined enough to be better than Norin or better than Perforos. It's just a little bit of weirder of a combination of all of those cards of all those decks. Oh man, if this was a Norin that you like, you have to pay two every turn to get it to come back into the battlefield. It does get to attack, which is cool. So like you get you get a little extra damage production but you have a huge tax on your mana, it can absolutely be removed in a way that Norin dodges quite a bit of removal. It, it, it's pretty tough to kill a Norin. I, I just don't know if I'd, I'd want to do that. I feel like that's substantially worse than just playing Norin. Maybe it's a little offbeat. Uh, maybe it gets the, the hipster vote. Well, the confusion in the ranks to me seems way better. Um, being, able to control oh, sure. it, being able to control it a little bit more. Um, so like something like that would... would be more appealing to me. I I don't know. I I think I would try this deck out to see if it did anything, and if it, when it probably didn't do anything, I would I would just say, hey, the the paper version of this sounds cooler. I'm gonna get rid of it. All right. So last up, we've got Surak the Hunt Caller. He's a four mana five four, so already doing all right on the power to cost ratio. But he's got formidable. At beginning of combat in your turn, if creatures you control have total power eight or greater, target creature you control gains haste until end of turn. So he's one of those commanders that helps enable haste, enables the really big splains. He's enabling five power of his own already, so any other big thing with him is going to start swinging around. Aaron, you said he had a lot of experience with him in 2DH. What was that like? Uh, pretty dumb. It's it's such a good deck. Um, it, it has enough mid-range to get you into the late game and have some inevitability, while also being able to play in the early game and smack for six on turn three. Uh, you know, your your plays are pretty much going to go something like turn one, Land of War Elf, turn two, um, Colonian Tusker, or Land Destruction, and then turn three, Serac. So like you're already getting you know just a bunch of damage in, and if you if you don't play Sarak on turn three, then you're playing two you know Colonia Tusker and like Garuk's uh, uh little the the three two Trampler one the double green one. You can play those two cards. Um, I forgot what, his companion. Yeah, companion. His buddy, Garuk's buddy. So you can have like just a, all these. There's like four or five of those uh, the two mana three threes, the double green three threes. So you can just spam all those things. You also have access to a bunch of cool cards. At three on the curve, like Wolfier Avenger, which is a one green green for a three three flash regenerator. You also have Boon Seder, so you can actually play some tempo and have some weirder interactions than you might normally have. In addition, there's some some cool plus one plus one counter things that you can throw into the mix, and we're going to talk about a couple of those cards here uh, when we talk about the other ninety nine because I have some good experience with those. But uh, you've got so off the top of my head, uh, uh, Savage Summoning, for example, is a very good card in this deck because you always have um, access to a creature that you want to play. It's going to be cheap enough to where you can pay the extra green for it, and you're never going to get it countered against a control deck. 
It's a cool it's a cool deck overall. Did you have anything, Eric? Uh I've cast this card zero times. It's never been deployed against me. I have reviewed Aaron's deck list and it it seems like a direction that I might want to go in two DH, but uh having never played with the card, I don't have a whole lot to add on this one. Sorry. Uh, hey that's alright. And that about does it for the commanders. Overall, um I don't know no, I I'm actually a little disappointed with what we got out of Don't get me wrong, I love Ojutai, I lo- love what they did with the dragons, but I don't know, I just kind of wanted something a little more from Elder Dragons, you know? That's fair. And just the, well, in, the in cons- my opinion, Dragons was the, the weakest set of the block, and I think it's, you know, in the previous era of Standard, it was, it was probably the weakest set in that two-block rotation. It it just didn't uh it didn't have a whole lot of tools that appealed to me for eternal formats either. Uh this this is kind of a swing and a miss, whereas cons was a huge hit for a large number of reasons. This didn't really follow through on the promises that we were set up for. No, like the the cons, you know, so DC is fine and Sirac, you know, Aaron just talked and he's fine. But like I know, when when the set first came out it was all like, dude, this is awesome, all these dragons and all this stuff. It just we're gonna get into it more when we talk about the other ninety nine. But the commanders they do some cool cool things, but it's just I don't know. It's, it feels like it's, it's just missing something. Well, I but, think it was, well, it was missing card advantage. Well, that's not yeah. even really what I'm talking about. It's just like they're missing a certain wow factor. Like Dragon Lord Atarka had that wow factor for me. <laughs> but with all these cards, now that we're reviewing them, Atarka still has that wow factor for me because she's so huge. All these other cards, just, just, I don't know. Like, now that the, you know, the new hype shiny has worn off, they're just not spectacular. The set didn't really resonate uh, for me, and, and for a lot of other players as well. The thing is, if you look at the, like, the past versions of the cons, you know, the ones we saw in Fate Reforged, there were some runaway hits in that group of five cards. And the first version of Anafenza, for example, in cons, but when we see these updated versions in uh, in Dragons of Tarkir, they're just they don't compare very favorably. The first version of Zargo was cooler. The first version of Sidisi is just absolutely snapped in Commander. You know, it's it's quickly become one of my favorite decks. And when, when I think of the top decks in the format, it's one of the most indomitable decks. It actually made Dredge a reliable, you know turn four, turn five kind of win deck in Commander, which previously didn't exist. So it, in my mind, it sort of gets to stake its claim on a brand new archetype for Commander. Uh, Anafenza was heavily played in Standard, and whereas the Kintry Spirit, you know, it's really just like another copy of Malira in Modern. They could get by without it. They don't really need it. I don't know. The Dragon's editions of the Legends, for you know me, it just left a lot to be desired. You're exactly right. The set didn't have the flash to really drive it, but Khan's got so much more juice, you know? It's mm. it's almost like they, they pulled all the punches from the rest of the set and put them into Khan's just to make sure we send the three-set block structure. We send that out with a bang, you know? Mm. All right, so that does it for the Commanders. We'll have more thoughts on the set overall as we get into the other night in time. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be right back. And I am going to take this moment to grab some ibuprofen because this thing is killing me. Well, I don't get to have ibuprofen because uh, I'm eyeball deep in chocolate wine right now. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm already done with Moscow Mule. 
I moved on to just, just I finished two other drinks in that same span. I drank really fast on Commander Cast. Just the drunkest possible wizards. <laughs> the drunkest. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> So, talking about the other 99, you know, the Commanders, you take your take them or leave them, whatever your preference is, whether you want to play Control, whether you want to smash with giant things, or maybe you actually have smaller things, or maybe you actually did make the Zergle Ball Striker deck, and you actually have a lot of fun with it. Take it with what you will. I think we actually got some decent stuff in the other 99. The first one that I want to go ahead and point out here is Volcanic Visions. Five red red sorcery. Return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Volcanic vision deals damage to equal to that card's converted mana cost to each creature your opponent's control. Exile volcanic visions. Love it as a red sweeper. Love getting back the bigger stuff. Much more pertinent when you're, you know, playing more than just mono red. You certainly could play it in a mono red deck. You know, get that blasphemous act. Rewrap the board, all that. Of course, the best value for me has been in the Battleship Warner deck. We are already playing like your big blue draw spells, everything like that. And it's also a regrow for instance of sorceries. You know, the Valshan Wanderer deck is built around value, and it's hard for me to say, yeah, no, this just is great red value. The problem that I have is the exile part. I, I mean, I get it. Red can only do things for a short time, and every offer that they have explodes in their face. But this is like the saddest one, you know? Like This is the saddest explosion. More like they just don't want you looping it together with a second copy. Well, yeah, uh, you know, but if somebody does that and you let them do that, then they should win, right? Like, it's a, what, it's a six-cost card, right? No, it's a seven-cost card, and we actually shouldn't just let people constantly loop RAS together. Uh, if they want to, they can win. Like, that, that's, kind of a, that's, that's kind of an unfun game state, though. Yeah, but I mean, well, who's to say they can't do that already? Like, uh, I don't know, in red? If you could do that in red, that would be interesting. Interesting or just, you know, like, stupid, busted, and that shouldn't actually just happen? Um, it just deals the damage to your to each creature your opponent's control. It doesn't deal damage to anybody else, so I don't see Yeah, but problem. it's basically saying nobody gets to play creatures. Yeah, but, you know, there's a lot of decks that don't play creatures, so, like, this is really bad a against A lot control. of people want to play creatures, though. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that they're, that's not true. I'm just saying that, you know, it doesn't matter. Like, you can figure your way around it. It's like putting down a Nevenerals disc. Like, Nevenerals disc on turn four is a lot, is the same kind of oppression that chaining a volcanic vision would, would be. Like, it's, you know, yeah. it's just like, and hey, don't play creatures. Like, I, I don't see the problem. I don't, I don't see that. I don't see why that's a problem. Nevenerals disc was also in the first edition of Magic where they didn't know better. Yeah, but just because they don't know better doesn't mean they shouldn't stop doing crazy things like that. And it doesn't mean they have it. Jason, okay, Stoneforge. But- Okay, but Volcanic Vision itself, is it a card that you like? Is it a card that you think is just fine? Do you not like it? What? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. I would play this in, like, War the Raid Mother. I think it would be sweet. I'm going to downvote. It costs uh, approximately two mana too many. That's fair. All right, so, Aaron, what's a card that you want to talk about? Uh, We can, real quick, I want to talk about Damnable Pact. So this is the X Black Black, and uh, it's target player draws X, or draws X cards and loses X life. This is a card I play... Quite a bit of in, in Kegamaro. It's it's quite fun. Um, I I like this card a lot. I, I like Sign of Blood Effects. I think that this is probably one of the better ones, um, considering that you can scale it. You can use it to beat your opponent. Uh, you know, it's just it's just an interesting card. Compelling compelling board states allows you to do what you need to do to win the game. I just 
I don't care for this. People were calling it like a a black fireball no. for a while, and just and we've had people who tried to, pl- to play it, just it never actually works out because they can never actually make the mad to you know kill someone. Partly because this is a meta where we don't do the whole yeah I'm gonna make forty fifty mana and just exsanguinate and kill everyone with this giant X spell, but just no, it doesn't work for me. It was you know it's not really a fireball. It's just the flexibility of the fireball on your on the cards that already, you know, are like Sign of Blood. Super cool. Uh, it's at sorcery speed, though. I'd rather be... If I wanted an X draw spe- spell in black, I'd actually just be using Skeletal Scrying. A lot of the X spe- draw spells that I use are a lot of the smaller things like the Ladyfinger Suite, your Sign of Blood, your Reading Bones, or they're kind of incremental things like Erebos drawing you a card or Phyrexian Arena. Well, the Kegamaro deck plays a little differently. Um, I want to be able to draw cards... You know, at a certain point in the game, when I'm kind of like, you know, the new Kozilek, where you, you play all your cards down, and then you get to draw a new hand. Um, this is kind of what you want to do in Kegamaros in order to build up Kegamaros power. So this is this is just something that's cool and fun in, in that deck. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Eric, what do you, what do you like? Uh, I don't really play this card. To be fair, I don't really play Skeletal Scrying either. I do play Knight's Whisper. Pretty consistently. That's that's my default option. If I am gonna be playing a card draw spell that's expensive, and I, I sort of default to saying anything with X in its mana cost is expensive, it's it's not gonna be this. You know, it, it's probably gonna be something. I'd even maybe like take Hedonist's Trove. You know, like that card's super silly. But if if I'm gonna venture out into the realm where I'm casting expensive, like sort of do nothing sorcery speed cards. This card just doesn't really have the flash, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Wretched Confluence obviously is gonna, has kind of outclassed this card, but... Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in so many ways, but I would, you know, I still think that it's fine. Like, you know, I'm not I'm not telling you it's great. I'm just saying I like it, and it's fine. Yep, that's fair. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. <laughs> All right, Eric, so what's your pick here? Uh, the first card I want to talk about, I, I've never actually put in play, so you can judge me. Feel free. But it's Assault Formation. Uh, Assault Formation is the door enchantment. <laughs> it makes all your guys Doran, basically. And you can, you know, do some other stuff. You can have things attack as though they didn't have Defender. You can pump your whole team's toughness, which is essentially tough, or, you know, pumping their power. I want to use this card as a soapbox. I gotta be honest. Soapbox alert. So I really want an equipable Doran effect. I think Doran's a cool card. I think it's a very f- cool concept to have on a card. I wish they printed more cards with fresh ideas like Doran. But this is a fun, you know, sort of exciting callback to a, what was an iconic card. It doesn't quite do what you want it to do. <laughs> you know, it being an enchantment, it doesn't get to attack. It doesn't really do anything for your board that's uh, substantial or meaningful. And you're still you're playing a creature deck. You're still vulnerable to all the same things. The removal, Wrath of Gods, Counterspells, like every type of answer still blows you out of the water. Assault Formation isn't solving any of those problems. So this is a very bad model for how to make your deck function in any format, but especially Commander. And I just wish that A, we could have Equipable Doran, but B, when they give sort of support tools to creature decks, the design team needs to keep in mind the fact that you're already in a weaker position because your cards are no longer in your hand. They're now on the board. It, this isn't like... Eternal formats aren't like standard. If you play a threat in standard, you, you feel pretty good about yourself, you know? Like, you can go ahead and attack, and you might win the game, because most games are going to end by attacking. 
In Eternal formats, games don't really end that way. They end by locking up card advantage or creating some sort of soft lock or some sort of combo. What? No. That's, that's not how our games end at all. Well, I, we can definitely say your games of Commander and my games of Commander are pretty different. Well, you Absolutely. know... Aaron's games of commander and my games of commander basically share nothing in common. <laughs> we call it commander, but it it's not the same thing. Like if you walked into a, a bar and be like, "I would like the commander," you get t- two different drinks, you know? <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, and I think you know Will's Will's meta is even different than mine. You know, and and so I I don't know. I played in a I played in a meta for a while where nobody really wanted to play counterspell. We just wanted to play the game, and so that was completely different than you know, things that I play now. So, you know, everybody wants their own different thing. As far as this card goes, I would love to see this equipment too. And I'd love to see it with the, with an activated ability to attach to target creature you don't control. Cause I think that that would be really funny to turn something Ooh, into Doran. twist. Uh, well, why wouldn't you just put that on an aura then? Cause that does it so much more cleanly without actually messing with the rules. What, what messes with you know the what? rules if it's an equipment? Rules, schmools. <laughs> Way to go, Eric. Well, you tell him. Yeah. Well, for, first of <laughs> all, Will, you can really? have an equipment. Like, I can control an equipment that's attached to an opponent's creature. Like, that's a thing that can already happen. That is a thing uh, that can happen because of chain's possession effects. They, the rules well, can, are built to do anything. So, yes, they technically can make an equipment you can put on your opponent's creatures. The question is, why would they actually do that when an aura does that so much more cleanly? First of all, auras, as just like a classic card, are basically all inferior versions of equipment. And there's there's a good reason they've moved more towards using equipment in modern limited sets. The card disadvantage when you have something with an aura on it that gets removed is it's so tough to come back from that, even in low power formats. You just there's basically no recourse. Equipment gives you the ability to reuse that effect, so you're paying something to put that card into play. That's an investment, and you can sort of make that up over time by equipping it to multiple creatures. Yeah, that's, that part, that, yeah, that's a power thing. But I'm saying, in terms of making cards that already work with what the game naturally does, why wouldn't you just do it as an aura? Uh, well, that, first of that all, that already I achieves the goal of getting it onto well, an, an exposed creature. What he was saying is that you would not this the equip ability wouldn't change. Like you'd still have equip, but you'd also have a second activated ability that just says attach it to target creature. You know, yeah. so it, it'd that, be like it'd be like the uh, and, like the mirrored equipment. Or I'm sorry, I just don't. I'm sorry, I just don't see the point of something like that. Well, the point would be that you get to make their their creatures have Doran. You know, yeah, you could potentially a, give the ability to someone else, like in a multiplayer situation. Or yeah, I just don't see the a, point of making equipment when you can be an aura. I mean, if if it's in Lorwyn and it's something that's based on Doran, it's probably an aura just simply out of flavor because the equipment in there were, were all typey and th- that would never be something that Doran would put. But if you wanted to put it somewhere else, you know, like in Cons of Tarkir, I think... It actually would fit better as an or as an equipment. Um, I think that this is a card that would be just. It's just interesting, you know. There's been a lot of a. Uh, there's a lot of things that are based on toughness and that check toughness. And so, if it was in this set and it was a card designed for this set, it would be cool to have those against the 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 dash guys, for example. That like it's a three one. Oh no, it's not. I'm just getting attacked for one instead of three. I don't know. I, I just thought it would be fun. Like it's not like a you know has nothing to do with mechanics. <laughs> I, I'm just coming from a place where it's like, if it doesn't make sense mechanically to me with an actual design philosophy, I just don't actually see the point of it. But that's just me. So yeah. moving, well, so moving, okay, uh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. Last thing, Eric, and we can move on. Well, I was going to say, I, 
I think in a world where we have equipment, I don't understand why there is any auras still remain. I just don't understand why they continue to print those cards. They they have all the same problems that it, you know are solved by equipment. But then if you're trying to use it for like specifically put this aura on your opponent's creature style removal, those are just worse versions of other existing removal as well. So it's kind of rather than being the best of both worlds, it's the worst of both worlds mechanically speaking. All right. So next card that we're going to be t- talking about. Let's go ahead and talk about Profound Journey. This big old thing. It's like seven, almost eight man. I actually need to find out the magic cards that info real quick. But it's basically a huge. Okay, hold on. We got this song. Profound Journey. It's five white, white. Yeah. Five white, white. Yeah, there we go. Five white, white. Seven mana. Return target permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield. And it's got rebound. That is really nice. I actually slot this into a good number of mono white decks that. You know, they have problems recurring stuff, getting that advantage back. Oh, I lost my big thing. Well, I can get my big thing back. And oh, next turn, if something happens to it again, I'm still going to get it, it back. You know, it's fantastic in our set, not even withstanding the free casting. If I have to hard cast a profound journey in our set, it's actually fine because the, the quality targets that you can get and get back again are fine. The rebound, though, basically means you're paying seven mana to get back two things over two turns. And I like that quite a bit. It, it feels like a little bit of insurance if someone tries to go, okay, I still can't let you have this. I'm going to get rid of it. If they don't exile it, I can still get it back with that little bit of insurance. So philosophical question about the name of this card. Is is the Profound Journey the course of the two turns you go to go get your two permanents back? Or is it the, the distance between the previous turn when you cast it and the rebound? Damn it, Aaron, I'm going to be up all night thinking about that. How about the journey back from the land of the dead to the land of the living? Well, that's rescue from the underworld. That's a that's a different block, different set. This is this is um. I don't think that that's the same thing. Well, this I mean, this card specifically brings things from the graveyard to the battlefield. That's that's literally dead to undead, or yeah, dead to not dead in our game. But but that's not like profound. I mean, I don't I don't know what part of it's what part of it makes it profound and profound enough of a journey because it's only one journey, but you get two things back. So like I don't know. This is this is this is a question that has perplexed me quite a bit about this card, and so I thought I'd get your thoughts on it. Oh, so you mean the creative team has a hard job, but also they do like a relatively poor job of <laughs> making card names. I mean, I as a, as a name by itself. It's fine. Like, that's a cool name for a card. Um, but, you know, like, there are a lot of other bands bands and stuff that name themselves stuff just because they think it sounds cool, but it doesn't mean anything. You know, Def Leppard, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. You know, not that they're a good this band. This name does not have good mechanical fit with the card it's on. I'll definitely agree to that. Get back two things. Right. Get back two things, any two things, planeswalkers, artifacts, auras, whatever you want. So Will likes to get back planeswalkers, I heard, and equipment. Actually, that's usually what Narset's getting back. Yeah. So, Aaron, what's what's your next card? Uh, okay, we've got. Uh, let's talk about Secure the Wastes. This is the card that I thought was going to be just the biggest, biggest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen a single person play this. I've been disappointed because I can't play it in in two DH, um, and uh, you know, I'm just overall, I'm just, I'm just sad. Do you guys see this I mean, game play? I, I play it all the time in Marath because the deck is built around instant speed tokens. I would be playing this a lot more if I had more decks where, you know, they were just, you know, token-based or they wanted to go wide or, or anything like that. It's a fantastic card. It's instant speed token-making, and it's about as good as you're going to get short of, like, a random colorless instant that just says X 
Eldrazi's. Why not? Endless One as a token maker. Why not? Because as you know, I have a lot of experience with it in Modern because I played it in my Solstice deck, which I love. Marath is fantastic because Marath's making a lot of mana anyway. End the turn, drop a lot of guys. Next turn, collect a company, swing with all those guys. You took how many four fours straight to the face? Yeah. Have you seen anybody cast this here? Yeah, I've seen Mark cast it. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, this card is actually a relatively efficient mass token card. The fact that it's an instant is very attractive. If you're in the market for something like Conqueror's Pledge, this is almost just as good, maybe just as good in many situations. Uh, I don't have too many misgivings about this card. I'm not a big fan of token decks myself. I, I would rather be on the Wrath of God end than the I just got owned by Wrath of God end. But I'm down. It's an efficient way to make 1-1s, and in white, those 1-1s can potentially be much bigger threats. Much bigger threats. Much bigger threats. So what is your next card? My next card is uh, Clone Legion. <laughs> the full-on... Oh, if we're talking about Battlecruiser Magic, this is the Hyperion of Battlecruiser Magic. My god. My god. Yeah. I, I've never... Again, I've never cast this card either. But I'm just talking about things that like I want to do for fun, man. You know, <laughs> what what could be sillier or more bombastic, more outrageous than you know letting somebody assemble their big board? You know, they're scared you're going to remove all their stuff. You don't remove anything. You just I'm just going to make a copy of all your stuff. Can I borrow? You know, <laughs> like I think it'd be hilarious. It's... I, this is on my bucket list of commander things I need to need to pull off. Some yeah, the bingo sheet of all the things that you need, the achievement list. Yeah. <laughs> for for sure, you know I I've seen this card. Um, I I think I saw it once, and uh, it was a guy playing. There's a Surak Dragon Claw deck in our uh, in 2DH, and it's just Surak clone stuff deck, and it's very good in there. It's very good. What about you, Will? Uh, the Clone Legion is one that you know I have people who play this, but they don't play. If that makes sense. Part of the reason is because it's just so expensive. It's one of those things that you know people talk about. It's like yeah, I'm finally going to get the Clone Legion off. We're going to get all the things. But then you remember that someone's just Cyclonograph and you don't really have anything you want to play on it. So you try and rebuild, but then there's another board wipe. Like, it's one of those things that I love. It's a massive cloning spell. You can use it on yourself. You can use it on them. I want to play it in the Master Wanderer value train deck because that just is all the value. What, I can go ahead and double my value? Great. Just It's just so expensive that I haven't seen it. The, oh, and that's it's so ridiculously abhorrent. It's just way too expensive. That's surprising. It should me, cost though. maybe half as much. I don't think so. I mean, it's exactly, it's like Rite of Rep. I, 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 it's a lot like Rite of Rep um, when you kick it. Rite of Rep's better, straight up. Also, you can cast Rite of Rep for four if you need to. But, I mean, that's, that's the point, obviously. But it's still basically the same thing. Like, it's just, this is my card that says I go big with Rite of Rep, and Rite of Rep just is different. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I think. Yeah, that, no, I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. I like this card quite a bit. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Will, what is uh, what is your next what is your next card? All right. So final card for the night. It's going to be Berserker's Onslaught. Five mana. All your attacking creatures have double strike. Give all the dragons double strike. That's all I want to do. I just want dragons to people, and this makes it so much easier. It's only five mana, so it's great to go. Okay, turn three or something like that. Fervor enabler. Maybe get anger in the graveyard. Turn five, Berserker's Onslaught. Turn six, dragons are eating people's faces for like a quarter of their health. Jesus, that's a terrifying image. That's a terrifying image. Um, yeah, I mean this this seems fine. I've I wish it had some kind of pump on it. You know, like I wish it was a little bit more like Levisa Cold Eyes. 
because that's what it feels like to me. This card feels like a Lavisa Cold Eyes that missed its anthem. Uh, and if it had like plus one, plus O, oh, and, du- and double strike, this would be awesome. I think that that would be like the perfect card. But with double strike, it's just fine. I'm fine with it as it is. Card suffers a little bit because it's red. Suffers a little bit because it it costs five when I think it really should cost four. So like the basis for this effect goes back to Tempest or no Stronghold, right? When was uh when was Furnace of Wrath originally printed? <laughs> I think you're right. Right. First of Wrath, Tempest, yeah. Okay, Tempest. But that's a that's a long time in Magic. And that was a triple red card. And back then, you know, Tempest was at the point where, like, they figured out they made a lot of mistakes early on in the game's development, but they were trying to correct those. So when they pushed new ground on this card, they maybe were a little too conservative. And First of Wrath, I don't think anyone would go out on a limb and say, like, it's a fantastic card. It has been used before, but it's not great. This is trying to correct some of the problems that Furnaces have, or that Furnace has by just, we're using this mechanic double strike, which is a lot more elegant, and it's only for your things. It's great. But five is too much to pay for that. On five mana, you probably just got Wrath, and if you didn't get Wrath, you're probably going to win anyway, because you're the guy with the big board full of creatures, right? No, the big creatures usually come down after this. The, not the board full of big creatures, the big board full of creatures. <laughs> Going combat wide. I mean, if you have big creatures. You don't need to give big creatures double strike. It's like if I have a seven seven or an eight eight or something like that, I don't care about giving it double strike. I care about protecting it. If you have a board full of you know small creatures, tokens, things like that, you're playing some sort of aggro or swarm strategy. That's when you start to use effects like this because you need to improve the average quality of your threat. You know, you take your one one and suddenly it's dealing two damage every turn. That's a massive improvement. That's that's worth paying five for if you can get you know six to ten damage out of it every turn. But again, it, it doesn't do anything to solve the problems that creature decks have. So we need to see these kinds of effects be cheaper in the future if we really want to see them, uh, you know, be competitive. Commander, I think it. I mean, in the Zergo Bell Striker deck, this seems fine. If, if you can get good Zergo out and running quickly, uh, and you know, unchecked, you're you're in good shape. This is this is something that significantly increases that. Uh, I I don't know. I think it's fine. I think it's I think it's fine. All right. So last card for the night, Aaron. Yep. Uh, last card I'm going to talk about is actually a cycle of cards. We're going to talk about the commands. Uh, they were all awesome. Uh, I think it's the the short story. <laughs> um, and they they're significant. They see a lot of play in in the competitive formats. And I think that they're going to see a lot of compl- uh, play here pretty soon when they rotate out and they come to Commander. We're going to see a lot more of these. Uh, potentially not Kolagon's Command. Kolagon's Command is probably the best one of those by far. And that's just simply because uh, it's being played in Modern. It's got discarded instant speed, um, and it does everything that you kind of want to do in Modern. Uh, I think, I don't know, do you guys think that there's these are cards that you're going to see more of once we once they rotate out and the price goes down a little bit? I maybe I think you're going to see Silengar's command and Ojedai's command become a little more available when they rotate in the fall. Because remember, Dragons doesn't rotate out until Attack on Kamigawa comes out in the fall. Which, again, disclaimer for people who don't who aren't in on the joke. I just call any of the unannounced. I call whatever the next set is that isn't announced Attack on Kamigawa, just for the sake of having a name for the next unannounced set. Targus command still sees play and play in modern. Colgan's command is the top tier. Command Dramoka's command is also really good. 
Edge of Tides Command and Silver Command, and th- those are fringe, modern, playable in the right deck. You've obviously got Cryptic, and they that's just way better. Maybe if you're playing a type of budgie deck. It's not that hard to get a No Jace Command or a Silvergrass Command for EDH right now. I don't think it's terribly hard to get a Jamocus Command. Not easy, but not terribly hard. A Targus Command and a Culligan's Command are going to be the harder ones if you're just kind of relying on, hey, I have X amount of dollars, I don't want to spend that much, or I'm just trying to trade in my local shop, or anything like that. A Targus Command is probably not the most playable in EDH, which is fine. You could actually use it as an instant speed land, and I've seen... Uh, my friend's land deck, where that's actually not the worst thing. You know, instant speed Vesuva, copy a thing, get it into the battlefield effect. Like, maybe instant speed Bajuka Bog in red-green. That could actually be a thing sometimes. Colgate's Command, though, I think is probably just one of the better ones. It's really cheap. It's three mana, so you can go ahead and some forger for it. I think about it in my Kali deck, and I love it. It destroys an artifact. It can force them to discard a card if we're getting close to top decking mode, which I'm not going to use that too often. But getting back a creature back to my hand, too, for Kali to reflash out, it's a solid card. And it's going to be harder for people to get, because that's going to be a good card in Modern for a while. For sure. I'm super down with commands. I I play a lot of Ajitai's command and a lot of uh, Kolagon's command. The Sylvagar command is the command that I most want to work, but actually it, it suffers from this problem I've now mentioned like a hundred times. Like It just costs slightly too much to be realistic. Particularly because we have the Confluence uh, cycle that just came out recently, and it took up a lot of the same real estate uh, mechanically that these cards trade on. I don't know. I I play a ton of Ojitai's Command, and that just any card that says I get to counter a spell and draw a card, like that's automatically good enough because that, as it turns out, it's just one of the most powerful things that you can do in Magic, and it's worth paying for at four mana. I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the commands. Yeah, I really think that. That, that Ojitai's Command is probably the most underrated because it's not used as much. Um, it's not as popular as Dromokas, which is kind of a, a big thing in Abzan, um, or Atarkas, which is a big thing in that Atarka red deck. So, you know, I, I definitely think Ojitai's Command kind of gets um, thrown under the bus in terms of the commands. I mean, obviously, Kolagon's Command, the like the best the best of them. So. Yeah, which is awkward when you... Th- no, not awkward. Ironic when you think about how hyped Ojitai's Command was when it first came out. It's like, oh, this is obviously the best one of the cycle. This is the one that's going to be like $20 plus. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So, Eric, last card of the night. Uh, my last card of the night is Supplant Form. I have played this card. This is, the, this is the first card that I'm mentioning that I have actually put into a deck. Was that a mistake? Probably. The The reason I bring it up, though, is it, it sort of faded out of this long-standing tradition of card designs that seems really good, right? If you have something that costs four uh, and something on, that Eric. can cost two, what's Eric, up? Uh, pretty sure the plant form was from Fateful Forged. Or for real? Yep. You're so right, though, Will. Talk about mirror mockery. Go. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is a mirror mockery? <laughs> well, it's these a... things you don't play called Polaris. Yeah, it's these things you never play. It's also the yeah. It's also a one in a blue enchantment. That puts <laughs> that card's hot garbage. I know. <laughs> no, one's, no one's ever put this card in their deck. What are you talking about? <laughs> I have. I actually have. Yeah. Well, I guess I have nothing to contribute to this conversation because I can't even read English. So. Okay. Did you want to talk about Sylvan Scorn? That's still in here. Yeah. Uh, you pick one of mine. If you does want. anyone play Sylvan Scorn in Commander? I yeah, mean, you took all the good ones, fucker. You can have you can have whatever you want from that my my pile my steaming pile. Uh, 
I mean, if I talk about Vulture Saber, I'm just going to plug Popper Cube again. <laughs> Is that something this podcast needs? No. <laughs> no. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, that's fine. We can, because to end the night, we're going to go ahead and go over the two Planeswalkers, obviously. You can't really talk about this stuff without talking about the Planeswalkers. Narset Transcendent and Sarkin Unbroken. But Sarkin, I'm surprised that I don't see him more often. That's probably just a result of I actually don't see a lot of teamer decks in my meta. I might be the only one who plays it with any sort of consistency. But the guy's great. Draws a card, adds mana, makes dragons. I mean, I kind of get the idea that there are people you wouldn't want to necessarily play him if you can't really use every aspect of him. Like you can't use his limit break if you don't have fulfill your deck with dragons. But just using him to draw, to you know, roll him up, drawing cards, making mana, then rolling him down by making his own dragons—that's fine. That three color is super narrow, though. Yeah. So the question... I think that's the problem. If it were a two color planeswalker, you'd see this card everywhere. Absolutely. Question: Do you think that they're going to get married in another in another plane, Narset and Sarkin? Oh, not yet. Do you think that we'll see a planeswalker wedding? At some point. At some point, we may see two planeswalkers get hitched. Yeah, it's just a net matter of time. Uh, my, I would put, I've already put my bookie money on on these two. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Magic player, there is a good portion of the Magic fan base that wants there to be like a a romance subplot or something like that because it's something that you don't really get to see in Magic, which is much more conflict based. They, Watsi would not be opposed to something like that. They just have to find a way to make it feel natural and unforced. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> hey, hey, that's important. Whoa. But, but Sarkin Unbroken, mechanically, the, the guy's good. It's a good card, right? I'm not crazy? No, it's, it's, it's a totally fine card. And I, in fact, like, the only issue that I have with it is that I wish it were black instead of blue, because I think it would be like three times more playable and cool and flavory and all. Everybody would win if it, if Sarkin Unbroken were actually Jun instead of Teamer. Yeah, I really wish he had been John too. Like that, that's just a natural fit. Yeah, I actually think that that deck would have been sweet. Scar does so many things that you want your planeswalker to do, doesn't it? Okay, so it's got the Eric seal of approval. Play Sarkin Unbroken. Play Teamer just so you can play Sarkin Unbroken. Got it, people. Got it. Good it done. Good it. So Narset Transcendent though, this one is a much different animal. So for four mana, you get a planeswalker that comes into play with six loyalty. That's a lot. But what does she actually do? Well, if you're rolling her up, she's a plus one, you get to look at the top card of your library. If it's a non-creature, non-land, you get to add it to your hand. You know, the minus two is give your next instant sorcery rebound, which is actually pretty sweet. The limit break, I have been so close when playing against someone using that Narset to having them get that limit break and just me being in full panic mode because of how crippling that emblem can be. Narset is a very potent planeswalker. But at the same time, she definitely works with a very specific style of deck. Yeah, I mean, the style of deck being blue-white, I'm going to beat down all of your your stuff and never let you play anything other than creatures, and then wrath all your creatures. So, Eric, how how have you played this card? Uh, this card is actually pretty good. It it doesn't protect itself very well, which is a, yeah. is a big benchmark for evaluating Planeswalker cards. It just doesn't offer anything to the board. But it does generate regular card advantage. It it has an ultimate that is pretty hard to win from. Uh, like you, you can't really win. You're not getting out from under that. It's just so tough to beat. But getting it or getting Narset up to that ultimate is a challenge because you have to do a lot of work to you know remove your opponent's threats and simultaneously 
advance your board position to protect the you know the narset it's it's not a reliable enough win condition for me but it's a pretty re- reliable source of card draw in the right types of decks i look at it sort of like a you know just a card draw effect it's just spacing its value out over more time and some of that value comes in the form of uh preventing damage to you so last question i have about that's not about card play gameplay narset becomes a planeswalker when she discovers that Ojutai has lied to her about the history of Tarkir and that there's all this stuff hidden away, I don't understand why, like, what emotion that is that makes her transcend. I, I, I still don't get it. I don't clue. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, so my, to, my question was, what makes well, planeswalkers become planeswalkers? So your question was, what causes a planeswalker spark? So you read that story, right? Yeah, I read. I read the story. Okay, so essentially, she comes to see Ojutai as like her dad, right? Yeah. Like Ojutai is this great teacher. It's she's he's basically become her idol. He's her dragon. He's the flawless uh, person that you. He's the big role model that she looks up to. Ojutai can do no wrong, but then she discovers these deep and ugly secrets and basically find out that. You know, Ojutai has been lying. He did all these horrible things when, you know, the clans were first demolished and all this. And it's causing this really big, you know, warp in her worldview. Her worldview is already, okay, I want to learn all the things. I just want to go out there and experience and learn and do all these things. It was already starting when, you know, Ojutai proclaims that she's mastered it all. There's nothing left for her to learn. That's already causing her to cause some doubt and start having some uh self conflictions because if there's nothing else to learn like then what else is there for her so she goes looking for the forbidden knowledge for everything else like that she comes upon the secret and now everything's going haywire she sparks but she doesn't leave yet because she still has things to figure out things to unravel hmm. it's like finding out she, that I thought she did she I thought she did leave them no no she felt the pull but she resisted and uh, chose to stay on Tarkir because she had other things that she needed to find out. At the end, after she meets Sarkin and all that, she oh, tells yeah, him she... that she wants to go to other worlds, but first she has to learn a lot more about Tarkir. Okay, all right. I missed I missed that part. I, I thought at the end of it, she I thought like she like things happened and then she just was gone because uh, I think that that's the way the story ended. But I guess the next part of the arc is something I missed. Yeah, no, last we saw Narset, she was on her way to talk to Ugin before Ugin popped off to Zendikar. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's basically like being that kid growing up and you're idolizing, oh, we'll say, Michael Vick. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then all that stuff comes out about what he did, and you look at that Michael Vick poster that you've been looking at for the past five years on your wall. Mm-hmm. That's the basic emotion that she was going through. And then what happens when you look at your other wall and you have a Pokemon poster on it? Then you feel happy again. Okay. Uh-huh. That doesn't make you feel more conflicted. <laughs> oh, jeez. The ethics. <laughs> the ethics. <laughs> Being a human is hard, guys. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. It really is. We don't is. have everything completely resolved. All right. So that was. So that's a nice aside for the dangling bits. <laughs> so that's our cards for the Dragon's Tart Review. It's time for us to wrap this up because we're going to go to the outro. Outro time. So, 
this has been Commandercast episode 242. I want to go ahead and thank both these guys for coming out today. Aaron, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks, Will. Thanks again. Um, it's great to be back on the, the main podcast for a little while. If, uh, if we could do this, that would be great. And Eric, thanks for joining him. Yeah, now that I've successfully killed Mark to death by destroying him on Magic Online, <laughs> and uh, Calvin has inexplicably gone missing. No one else saw that then. So uh, you're stuck with me. Yay! And Clay. Uh, and Clay, too. Where's Clay? We'll see about that. I've got an idea for some guests for next week. Uh, <clears throat> contact information. Aaron, if people want to reach you, how can they do that? UncleLandDrops at gmail.com. UncleLandDrops, all three different words put together, lowercase. Uh, same thing on Twitter. All right. And Eric, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Uh, you would find me lurking in the comments on my articles or email me directly at grandpagrowth at gmail.com. All right. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, I am WIEHernandez at gmail.com. You can also follow me on the Twitters. I am at BooRam1409. If you want to go ahead and follow Commandercast, hit us up on the Facebook, on Twitter. We even have a Reddit forum and a YouTube channel where I'm posting the alpha build for you regular folks. Right now, let's see, I'm working on the dark video. I have to record one more game and then do the tech wrap-up for tonight because the last one just went so long. But let's see, going on and looking at other things. Let's see, Facebook? Yeah. So, go ahead, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We'll read off any five-star reviews on the air. I actually did have the foresight to pull up iTunes right now, and I have not seen any new ones. But hey, you put one up there, and I'll read it out loud for everyone to hear. But if you like what we do here, you don't want to just leave a review or a comment, consider supporting us on Patreon. Some of you guys are donating already, and, you know, it's always fantastic to realize that people out there like what they do, think we're worth a little bit of their hard-earned money, and we're working hard to make sure that we can go ahead and make it worth it for you, too. Especially now that we have an actual episode going up that isn't just the dangly bits. But hey, you know what? If you want to donate, too, it all takes a dollar. And that's just the tip. But if a little more slips in, we're not going to complain. Big thanks to everyone else who helps out here at the Command Cast Network. Aaron and Eric and everyone else. Mark, Clay, Calvin, all you guys. Love you all so much. Music for our show is the X-Men's Heavenly Metal Series by 331 E-Rock. We'll see you next week with more community, strategy, and technology. Until then, let's get it! buzzer that is a wrap thank you guys so much for doing yeah. this yeah thanks man hey I wanna... <laughs> hey. wait do i have to sing the theme song or does it go in automatically uh, it's gonna go in automatically but if you want to sing it i'm not gonna stop you i was gonna ask you i think as far as like doing your your alpha built stuff if you i don't know if i want you to to like do anything other than the derpiest commanders in your in your suite of commanders because I think that, like, that's what makes the Avacyn one work so well.
like, I think it works really well. And it's because it's just like, you know, it's this thing that, you know, it's like Mark says, Mark, you know, Mark thought it sucked. And he was like, you know, I don't like Avison, blah, blah, blah. But like, you're proving him wrong. And that's what makes it great to me. I mean, the part of the, the, uh, the point of the Alphaville was, in fact, to take a commander and kind of refine them over time so that I actually would just ha- get to see what the more efficient, uh, optimized build would be. I mean, like, I don't like playing the strictly optimized build in paper because I'm more about having fun than actually winning. But I do want to see what the optimized builds would look like. And with a deck like Avison, I don't actually know what... Woo, that was violent. Sorry. Jesus. It really sounded like an actual whip. Well done. <laughs> I mean, the way the reason it's working so well with Absent is partly because I don't have a set idea for what she's going to be, right? It's actually just kind of a mono-white good stuff, but let's go with what works best with her. And that's kind of what we're going to get when I do stuff like with Rexial, um, with whatever black-white commander I end up using. Like, there are just commanders that I don't know. I know I want to play this commander. I just don't know what the deck looks like. Yeah. No, and I think that, like, I think that the underpowered ones, instead of, like, you know, I mean, you've got some other, like, OP ones in your in your suite of decks. And I'm just saying, like, from, from my perspective and just some feedback on it, like, I think that the, the ones that are just super derpy are the better ones to do on this. Because then people are like, like, not that they're not, they might be less interested, but the games are more interesting. So, like, you know, the fact that you were able to survive, like, several turns in, in some of these matchups, I, I just don't even know. And some of it's just been luck, luck of the circle of protection, right? I mean, you've yeah. literally just drawn the right circle of protection in your opener and been like, well, I can hold on to this until I absolutely need it. Let's uh, continue going, guys. Those cards are going to be awesome. I can't wait for you, get, for you to get runes of protection so that you can cycle them. I think that that'll yeah, be sweet. Yeah, I am too. Now, I'm actually looking forward. Uh, one of my friends asked me which block I was looking forward to most. I think my second answer is probably Time Spiral because then I can actually get a lot of the end jokes that those cards are making. Oh yeah. Like I just like I just got the Diavit Archer for Avacyn, yeah. and I'm looking at that name. It's like, oh wait, Diavit Healing. That's in Time Spiral. Okay, I get it now. Yeah. But I think primarily for Avacyn, I'm looking most forward to Mirrodin because that's when we do get a lot of the really powerful artifacts, a lot of the equipment. Well, I mean, you've got a lot of powerful shit in there right now. I mean, Diamond Valley, like, Bizarre, like, Force Field, those are all sweet cards, too, so... No, they are sweet cards, but I'm... Uh, with White having the, the the advantage problems that it does have, a lot of the artifact and equipment stuff is going to help it. Like, getting giving Avacyn a pair of boots so that she can't be shot down. That's going to be really important. Yeah. Like, the Thanos... Like, I love Thanos' coffin. I love all the little tricks I have to save her, but her boots are just going to be so much more simple. Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm looking but, for, yeah, go ahead. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it, and it's a great way to highlight a lot of the jankier options because a lot of people enjoy playing that kind of cool stuff. Okay, after a comedy of errors that are just going to continue <laughs> to pile on, I'm going to send over the show notes. Okay, sounds fantastic. Okay. All right, so today's goal is to just do a simple year after look back review, taking a look at Dragon of the Tarkir a year after the set's been released, giving our Retroactive quarterback, quarterbacking armchair opinions on it, and the commanders. Very simple episode, nothing crazy or elaborate, and just pray to Gattaca that the recorder stays going. Because if this works, then Aaron should have a copy, and I should have a copy. At least that's what the recorder's telling me. Because if it is, then that'll solve a lot of potential headaches. Okay, so Gattaca, not Gattaca, right? Because isn't that like a movie? No, I think you're thinking of Gattaca. Gallica? All right, then. Isn't Gallica a game? Is it? I don't know. I'm asking you. Uh, That was before my time. Gallica. 
there's Galaga, Gattaca, Gattaca, the three G's that we need to pray to so that our Skype recorder works. Hey, I'm all about the three G's. The three G's. Me too. Okay. So let's see. Show notes. Where where do those go? They were in the Skype chat. Oh, that's why I did not see. Them. Excellent. Cool. Perfect. Fantastic. All right. Cool. Uh, I'm here. Okay. I'm here. You're here. I'm pretty sure Eric's here. Not actually a meat popsicle. But that's what he Look. wants to be. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me what I can be when I grow up. You're not my dad. <laughs> Your dad's allowed to do that, though? (laughs) That's confusing. I never understood why they didn't actually try and barge down the door for that. Yeah. Okay. Reverse rolls. Whatever. Reverse rolls. All right, then. So, guys, like I said before in our pre-game... Actually, wait. All right, so we'll just fix that last little bit of word spaghetti in post. All right, then. So... We're gonna, let's go ahead and divvy up the dragons ahead of time. Okay. I've also, I've obviously been playing with Atarka, but okay. Aaron, Aaron, are there any particular dragons that you've had, you know, experiences with that you would like to share, stuff like that? I mean, yeah, I, I, I can talk about pretty much every one of them except Kolagon. <laughs> I have played none of these decks. <laughs> okay. I have, Fun. I have cast Dragonlord Silumgar and cast Dragonlord Ojutai. Uh, I have cast Dragonlord Atarka. But I've never had any of these cards as the commander of a deck. That Fun. is fine. Fun. Have you pl- but have you played against them? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I, that's a lie. I have played against a uh, City Z Undead Vizier deck. It's the bomb. Right. It's good. Good enough. All right. So I'm gonna go ahead get the filter going from yeah, Magic Card the Info. All right then. Man, there's a lot of cards that I don't play from this set. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I play virtually nothing from this set, I'm going to be honest with you. But for the reasons I just said, though, because, like, the cards aren't really great. <laughs> it leaves a lot to be desired. Cons block in general just had very poor answers. And that's... Okay. I, I don't play... I don't really play, like, the threats, let's be honest. Like, it's very seldom when a new threat card comes out and, like, it's so much better than all the other options that I have to drop everything and play it. But new answers come around all the time. It's, you know, it's just a high bar, I guess, to, to cross. That's true. That's true. All right, guys. So currently taking that in the show notes, cards that you guys would want to talk about. Because yep. I know I want to talk about Volcanic Visions. Okay. <laughs> you got it. You could have that one. Um, let's see. Are we gonna, do we have some cycles that we can talk about? Do you guys want to run down, run down the commands? Uh, we can do commands. We'll bring those up. Yeah. Can we talk about how shitty Megamorph is? <sighs> if you really feel you must. No, we don't need I to. I mean, how could we not talk about that? Oh, shit. We have Collected Company to talk about? Oh, my God. I mean, I guess everybody knows about that. Never mind. I know. You can go ahead and talk about N's applications to EDH, because there are people who... I'm one of those people that don't think, just think it's not worth playing in Commander. Nope. You're oh, right. really? Wow. Well, hey, you know what? We can have a conversation about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll be in the the pro uh, me, the pro corner. You guys can be in the the cons the corner. Con. The cons yeah, corner. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Berserker's onslaught. I love that thing. I mean, I have a lot of cards that I really thought were going to be decent, and they disappointed me. Um, well, like, this is the place to bitch about it. Yeah. 
I have, I have another card. Basically everything with Mega Blades. And that's part of, yeah. That, like, that phrase just shouldn't even exist. I thought we were going, I thought we were getting another Eternal Witness with Dem Protector. And I'm just like, I don't actually want to play Dem Protector. I just want Eternal Witness. Yeah, but I, that's, so here's what I was talking about before. Like, when a card is unplayable. I actually would want, like, five more Eternal Witnesses, so I'm willing to play even a bad Eternal Witness in some decks. Yeah. Cards just too good. Cards that get you other cards tend to be pretty good in card games. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. Eric, you should talk about Living Lore and how good that card uh, is. Negative, Ghost Rider. <laughs> Where is everyone getting this Ghost Rider from? Oh, that's just what Eric says. It's from no, a I've, got a, I've got a friend who's, who's been saying the exact same thing. Well, he probably listens to Eric. Kind of a meme. Yeah. <laughs> no, he got magic a while ago. He probably just listens to our to the stack. Oh, that's what that. we like to think. That's what we like to think, anyway. Profound journey. There we go. So, does anybody want to explain to me why the scion of Ugin looks exactly like Ugin? Does that make sense because, to you? Because it's a scion. It was built in his image. I thought it was built in the image of a car. I thought that's what a scion is. Is it? A scion is a car. It's a car. I My dad not model type. Know, okay. I honestly did not know that. It's a vehicle. It looks like a box. Do you get to talk about how cool Sight Beyond Sight is to cast it? Oh, I remember that Thundercats deck Cat was trying to make. Yeah. I wonder if he actually managed to finish, finish it. Ten bucks mm-hmm. says no. Ten bucks says he was like, no, this sucks, and then took it apart. I did like anticipate, though. Oh, damn. Man. Uh, so plant form's a good pick. I'm just going to talk about all the cards that I played. Well, most, the ones that I tried. We'll, we'll be talking about at least about three cards each. Okay. Well, I just put a bunch, so. All right, that works. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. <clears throat> Five red red sorcery. Turn target insert sorcery from a graveyard to your hand. Then vision will deal damage to that, to, you know, Every opponent, I need to do that over. I just completely sport spaghetti everywhere. Cats and dogs sharing apartments. Yeah. Five. All right, do it over. Then I guess got 